Hi, this is Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 15 of the Clarinet Podcast. On today's show, I speak with Tim Elvey from Legere Reeds. Legere is a Canadian company located just north of Toronto that makes state-of-the-art synthetic reed products for distribution all around the world. We discuss the history and development of these reeds, some differences and benefits between synthetic products and traditional products, and of course we go over the entire Legere product line, including the different types of cuts and what separates the European signature model from the original signature model, which I know is something a lot of people are, are wondering about. For today's giveaway, five lucky winners will be able to select the clarinet reed of their choice and have it mailed anywhere in the world free of charge. Each prize is worth approximately $40, and if you're interested in having a chance to win any item mentioned on the Clarinet podcast, this one or any item going forward, please see www.clarinet.com for more information. That's www.clarinet.com. And now for today's episode with Tim Elvey from Legere Reads. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show, Tim. No problem, Sean. No problem. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure that most listeners are aware of Legere Reeds as a brand, but many may not know that it's actually a Canadian success story, which I'm super happy about because I'm also Canadian. What was the inspiration for starting a synthetic reed business in Canada, and how did it take off to become one of the clarinet world's most recognized brands? Uh, it, it's actually quite a story. It started back in 1998. Um, it was founded by two scientists, Dr. Guy Legere and Dr. Mark Corkshot. Um, Guy approached Mark and uh, had an idea about a reed uh, in order to make a reed out of uh, a unique polymer. Um, in order to make a synthetic reed, you need to have a special material. And uh, that material was up for grabs uh, until Guy approached Mark. Um, it was unknown as to what to use. And Mark, uh, who is a material engineer at U of T, came up with the idea of using polypropylene. Uh, Mark, by the way, is one of the only, one of the few people, I should say, in the world who actually um, uses and knows this material um, and works with this material. He understands how to work with this material. But this material was needed because it had to be unique. It has to have the almost identical properties to moist cane. Um, it had to have a very, like, a really good cane reed has the right combination of high stiffness, but it's very lightweight. That's what makes it such a good material. And in order for us to mimic that, we needed to have a material that would um, uh, duplicate that. So food grade polypropylene was chosen and um, they started in the garage making a few reeds at a time, uh, went to a trade show and um, then they realized the material worked really well. They got serious about this uh, process and found faster ways to make it and so forth than the rest is history. When was this? About 10 years ago, I, I think? Uh, 98. 98. 98. Oh, sorry. So that's almost 20 yeah. years now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's been a while. I've been with the company about seven years now, and it's just, uh, it's just amazing, the response. Do, do either of the founders play clarinet? Um, Guy did originally. He's an amateur uh, clarinetist. He was in Brampton Symphony, I believe, um, and uh, he played, but it wasn't um, the, the reed. He didn't like the reeds. He didn't like wood reeds. So um, Interesting. he felt that, they, yeah, he felt that they just were not, they did not work right for him. And um, his professor, I guess, told him to uh, make a new one. You're an inventor. And he went to it. And him and uh, Mark have been partners uh, ever since. So It's interesting. Do you know who uh, Daryl Caswell is? No, I'm sorry, I don't. That's okay. He um, actually interviewed him on episode four of the podcast, I believe. And he is an engineer who also plays horn. And he's sort of adamant about trying to find 
somewhere to innovate outside of your area of expertise. And he actually yeah. invented the world's sharpest reed knife. So <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So that's, I talked to him about that. Very interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so I talked to him about that and he, he sort of got together with an oboe player and, and with his metallurgical background, figured out what to do. And, and this sounds sort of similar. Someone knew what they were doing and knew where yeah. they could apply it and, and did so. Yeah. Both Guy and Mark hold patents and many other things. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and, uh, and this music patent that they have is, uh, the first of that it's really quite unique we're really we're changing the way people view music and people play music it's really something to see absolutely so i've been using the leger reeds for a long time and but i've only ever seen them in the box when they come to me yeah as customers yeah. we often only see the end result of a product and none of sort of the steps along the way so what what exactly goes into each reed from from when it starts in the manufacturing plant to when it makes it to the customer sure um it's it's uh a complicated process in some ways. Um, we have to prepare the plastic. That part of the uh, of the operation is a trade secret. It's proprietary, uh, but we do need to prepare the plastic. And once that's done, um, we cut it into blanks uh, that fits into three-axis CNC machines. We have four of them at the time now. Um, once it's in the CNC machines, the cutters go to work. They cut the the uh, reeds, forming the reeds. And then after the CNC machine finishes, the um, tip is finished, it's pad stamped, and then the reeds are packed for shipping. So it does take a little bit of time to make the reeds. They, they are a, a very unique product, and um, I can't say enough about them as we go along, I'll tell you. So I guess my next question can't be exactly how they're formed there. Um, but uh, what specific challenges had to be overcome in order to achieve this? I mean, the, 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 the material becomes so thin at the tip, of course, and... I'm surprised that stiffness can be maintained along the length of the reed. The interesting thing about cane is that um, all of the molecules are lined up uh, mm -hmm. in a vertical fashion. That's what makes it so light yet so strong. So in order for us to do that, we need, we need to mimic that. I will say that. We need to mimic that in order to make it as close to moist cane as we can. And our proprietary process does that. And so once we have that plastic, then we can CNC route it and the, uh, the CNC uh, can take it down significantly to a very thin tip. I'm sure many listeners will find this to be an ignorant question on my behalf, but um, what is it about the moist cane that actually allows it to vibrate more freely? Do you know? And, and how is that emulated in the plastic? I'm not sure exactly what difference, to be honest with you, the moist part makes, uh, other than to probably free up the, the, uh, the, the wood or the cane. Uh, that's the only thing I can imagine. But with ours, we don't need to do that. Uh, we don't need to wet it, as we'll talk about a little later. Yeah, and we'll get to the advantages in a bit too, but another advantage... Um, they don't become they don't become waterlogged, of course. No. you know, so all these no. little things. So, we'll get to that in a second here. But um, sure. when you first introduced the reeds to the to market, what was the reaction from customers and the the field? The first trade show that they went to, uh, they sold out. I think oh, they wow. said something. Yeah, they said they said I think they said they made sixty reeds in their garage. Um, and I have to say, these two men are brilliant. They are they are really are uh, extremely brilliant and. They went to this first trade show, um, and they they didn't have enough. And uh, from then, it was a very positive reaction. Some of the some of the people said that you know it still sounded a bit like plastic. It was a little buzzy, um, but that was initially. And the signature line has taken care of that. Uh, it's a big difference between the classics and the signatures, um, and uh, it's it's massive actually. And that's the biggest change we made. So the positive reaction has really the most positive reaction has really come within the last seven years since we developed this, since they developed the, the signature technology. 
Interesting. Uh, so it's, it's only it's, become more positive as time's gone on. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, it is interesting that we are, um, like I said, changing the way people play music. And we get letters from people all the time telling us that, um, you know, especially people with cane allergies, they, they tell us that we've changed their lives. They've been able to go back and play music again. Well, the allergy is an interesting point. I had a student starting a while ago for lessons, and when when they first started, the, the mother sort of read me the list of things she was allergic to, and uh, I all of a sudden, inside me somewhere, started thinking, oh my God, well, this is a big list. What if we put the cane in her mouth and she has some sort of reaction, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, they didn't seem concerned, so we sort of just hoped for the best, but um, I could see it, it being a much safer solution. Oh, yeah. yeah, and even, it's really interesting, Some even some professional players... Um, and I'm not sure why this is. I have no reason for it. Uh, but some even professional players have developed cane allergies. So we've been able to keep them uh, playing, which is really something. Interesting. Does the reed, um, like a normal reed, I think harbors quite a bit of bacteria after a while. Does this have any sort of resistance to that? Can they be washed? Yes, they, they're washed. They, they, they're really easy to take care of, actually. Uh, they're mold resistant. You can't, uh, you just clean them with soap, regular soap and water. Or you can use something like Listerine or uh, even a Sterisol. Um, any of those products work fine with the reed and will we'll clean it out of, uh, of almost all of the bacteria. Well, I think that's a fantastic benefit because you can clean your mouthpiece, you can clean your ligature, and now yeah. you can clean your yeah. reed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And not, and not have it affect the sound. Um, but what other advantages are there to using a synthetic reed product from the musician's standpoint? Uh, well, well, as, as I travel around the world, um, it, it's quite interesting. I get uh, a lot of people that tell me that, uh, you know, um, they buy a box of reeds and only a few of them work and so forth. With our product, every reed works. So uh, you will never get a dud reed. You will always have a reed that works. You can pull it right out of the box. You don't need to wet it. You just play it. Um, durability is another factor. It lasts months, not days. Uh, so you're going to get... Uh, we, we suggest you'll get uh, about 10 times longer out of a read. So if you play two weeks, you'll play 20 weeks in ours. But the fact is that um, we're getting six, seven months out of a read, a full semester easily. I have uh, an artist, actually, uh, uh, Derek Brown, who's a, a beatbox artist who uh, beats the living daylights out of our reads, and he will get three months out of one read. So what is it that d d does give it a lifetime? I mean, I'll be honest, I've managed to make these last a lot longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now they do. They, I will tell you this. Uh, now that we're talking about this, they do tire out. Mm -hmm. Okay. They will not last forever. I had one guy come to me and tell me he's had one last eight years and I listened to it. And <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, you ought to change that read because uh, it just tires out. Like it, it, because it has similar properties to moist cane. It tires out like moist cane. It just gets unresponsive. It just gets kind of dull. It is the, the, the material, the way we manufacture the material that gives you that longevity. Of course, uh, because it is polypropylene, it's plastic, you, you have a natural affinity to um, durability. But um, another thing, too, that while we're talking about this is it, it's really unaffected by weather. So I've had, I used to have uh, some customers who are now playing our reeds who are professional artists who... Um, traveled all around the U.S. and they had stashes of wood reeds, stashes of cane reeds, I should say, um, so that they could have them acclimatized when they ended up playing performances in those areas. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so they'd keep stashes of reeds with their friends or in a locker or someplace so that when they went there, those reeds would be acclimatized. Um, artists tell us that, 
you know, they'll play a reed on the East Coast that is just perfect, a cane reed, and they'll take it out to the West Coast and it won't work. So uh, the same reed. So basically, uh, that's we, we take the, all of that out of the equation. You just take your reed. You don't worry about it anymore. You take it out of your box and you play it. It's unaffected by humidity and it's unaffected by altitude. And it's uh, because it's not a natural product per se, it's a synthetic product. Uh, it's it's extremely durable that way. But, you know, I, I this is something that I always try to, to tell uh, my customers and, and listeners, anybody I talk to, that the most important benefit that I, I have found and that people have told me is that our reads, they, they allow musicians to focus on the music and not the read. Mm-hmm. They're actually playing more music. They're having more fun. They're practicing more. They're becoming better musicians faster. Uh, we've had some schools tell us, uh, some teachers tell us that um, they have found in class after class that when they first put um, our reads on the, uh, the kids' instruments, uh, what happens is the, the kid will um, sound better immediately. No squeaking, no squawking. Um, and the, and the, the young lad or young girl will, will feel more confident. And, uh, you know, Mr. Smith's not over there. Mr. Smith, my read won't work. He's, and so as, as a matter of fact, he is playing or he's teaching more music. The children learn quicker. And you start this kind of a vortex where teachers teaching more music, kids are taking it in and learning faster. And in the end result is you're getting better musicians faster just because of the read. Well, and there's even a, this is an odd point, but from a parental perspective, um, there's even a time savings because you just pick up two leger le- reads yeah. that are going to last you the whole year instead of driving to the store for a new box every three weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We've, we've saved, uh, even though, you know, comparatively our reads are, are not inexpensive, um, you're actually going to save money in the long run. Hmm. So what is it from an environmental standpoint? Like, are these reeds recyclable? Are they reducing the amount of cane we need, obviously? Does that, what does that lead to? Sure. Well, I mean, one thing uh, with regards to environmental is we're not taking up massive fields of uh, uh, areas to grow cane. Um, our raw materials don't take up massive fields. So that's one, one benefit. And as to whether or not they're recyclable, um, they are recyclable, but we don't mark the reeds with recycling arrows. arrows sorry, uh, because uh, it would compromise the sound of the reed. So unfortunately, most places won't take them. Um, and I will tell you that we use brand new polypropylene for um, every reed we make. We only use brand new raw material. Interesting. So it is recyclable, but you can't put it on there. Yeah, you can't. We really, we really can't put it on there um, uh, because uh, any kind of engraving or any kind of marking we put on the reed changes the sound. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we shy away from that, and we've tried it, and it just uh, it doesn't work for us. So from that end of it, so the, most, the biggest environmental um, benefit is just the fact that we're not, uh, it's like cane is grown on really low, fertile, low-lying uh, lying, low lying land. So like I say, the biggest environmental benefit is that we don't take up these big fields for uh, our, our product. And another question I actually had was, I've often wondered why the, the letters weren't engraved on the reed, but I think you just answered it there, saying that it would affect the sound? Yeah, it, it's, it's a very unique, the properties of, of our reed are, are extremely unique, and uh, we, we just don't put any kind of engraving. Um, we pad stamp them, uh, and that is simply because we don't want to chew into the material and, uh, and uh, ca- cause problems that way, but basically... Um, 
no, we don't we don't want to uh, do any engraving because it does really alter the sound. Well, the new stamping is so much better than the stickers that used to be on there because the stickers yeah. do fall off, but unfortunately the strengths are still a sticker. Is there any thought to try and stamp the 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 strength as well? There's we're hoping to. We have uh, you you won't believe the number of requests we get for that. So, yeah. we are going to we are going to work on that. We it's it's a work in progress. We haven't found something that will do the uh, the job for us as of yet, but um, we're working on that. Yes, that is something we're working on. So um, one more question about sort of the materials sure. before we do move on. With mm -hmm. 3D printing having come around in the past couple of years, is there any sort of thought to use that to invent a read with or experiment with? It's interesting. I, I uh, worked with a uh, mouthpiece manufacturer who was who made me some uh, samples in um, uh, with a 3D printer. And uh, it, the sound was quite good, I have to admit, but it still wasn't the same as having it done with the actual material. So um, there's really nothing that we could do with a 3D printer that we can't do with the CNC router. Interesting. So in spite of all these benefits that we've just talked about, um, some people have remained rather resistant to synthetic reeds. Um, and I, I personally find this a bit odd because, I mean, even if you insist on using cane normally, we just talked sure. about several advantages where you'd still be better off. And that, that would expand even to outdoor playing and teaching and doubling. Um, sure. Why do you think some people have trouble trying these products and, and appreciating them? Is it just sort of a, a stigma or what, what do you say to these people? I mean, people are what they are. It, it's it's a tradition thing, you know. Their father played this. They father. Funny when we when we uh, a few years back we were looking at uh, a campaign. I was looking at a campaign that said "Not your grandfather's read," <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, we never went with that because uh, a lot of grandfathers play our read. Um, but uh, you know, people are old fashioned. They have the tradition. They they feel that um, interesting story. Um, I won't tell you the artist's name, but uh, he played he plays in. Uh, uh, a European, a well-known European uh, symphony, and um, he uh, changed to synthetic, and he played in a very, very big, he actually played in the Berlin Philharmonic, and uh, all his friends came up to him and said, uh, oh, you know, your sound is bad. They found out he was playing synthetic. Oh, your sound, your intonation is not good. This isn't right. That's not right. And he just says, I can't take it anymore. I'm going back to Kane. And then uh, the next performance he had, um, he didn't go back to Kane. He continued to play the uh, our, our Leger Reed, and um, his friends all came to. Oh, you know, he's, they said they, they said your sound is so much better with the Kane Reed, except he had our, had our Leger Reed on, and he turned it to them and he said, "See, yeah, he's quite a, quite a character, actually." That's hilarious. We have we have stories like that all the time where it's a stigma. People think that uh, you know they don't want anything synthetic. Um, just simply because it's a tradition, they're 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 old fashioned, uh, you know. But we're trying to move woodwinds into the future, and you know, some people are just happy with where they are now. So, you know, our reads are not for everybody, but I would tell you that most people that play them do not go back to cane. Well, I remember when I was in, I've had extensive use using these in the past, actually. And uh, when I was in marching band playing clarinet back in the day, they really sort of saved your life out in the rain and the yeah. hot sun. And, yeah. you know, you're standing there on the field for 20 minutes and then you got to play. You know what's kind of cool, Sean, is, is this is kind of cool, too. We're finding that, like, we, we do a, a large uh, business in the U.S. with marching bands. We had uh, six of uh, bands that were uh, in the Grand Nationals made it to semifinals and um, two of those bands made it to finals. 
uh, which which is a really really big deal. But what we're finding is people are starting our reeds in the low um, low instruments, mm-hmm. the bar- baritone sax, bass clarinet, those sorts of things, and then they start then they they bring them on into the clarinets for marching, and then they bring them into the concert bands. Um, it's it's really funny. A progress. I've had uh, bandmasters and teachers tell me that they they won't uh, uh, use them in concert, and then I come back a year later and they're using them in concert. And there they are. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny because, they, like they say, well, it's only for marching band, but they just get so fed up with fussing with reeds. They say, well, the sound is great. Why wouldn't we use them? So the yeah. teachers are, are taught. Like the one good thing that I'm finding is is the the professors, the teachers. Uh, are, and the students as well are talking all the time, and um, the word of mouth is getting out there about Legere, and that's helping us greatly. And there's a certain coolness factor for kids. I mean, they, they don't really, you just mentioned the whole your grandfather's read thing. Yeah. I, I think sometimes, though, music can seem a bit uh, old-fashioned to kids, and if it gets them excited about an acoustic instrument that they're actually playing with their own body, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, like, one thing I, I forgot to mention, too, that that synthetics have really had a bad reputation since the 60s because quite frankly they, they were bad they were mm-hmm. not good um i've i've seen some original uh, i remember there was i don't know if you remember this but there was a steel reed, a oh, reed no, that, was that actually, sounds cool though <laughs> yeah, yeah it was actually made out of steel wow and it didn't work worth a darn it was like putting a two by four on your mouthpiece but it was uh it, it just didn't work but so so synthetics have had a bad a bad rep um we think that if the signature had been out in the 60s, uh, I would have changed everything for, for synthetics even back then. Interesting. And from a teaching standpoint, too, I was just thinking, you know, it, it's so nice to just be able to set your clarinet down and instruct for a while and then pick it up again. Um, and if you think about it from a dollar's perspective and a time perspective for the student, mm-hmm. like people are paying a dollar or more per minute of lesson. And if you have to adjust your read every time you want to play, in yeah. a way, you're wasting your their money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I never thought of that. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's that's exactly true. Yep, absolutely. And from a doubling standpoint too, I should have asked Ed Joffe about this. I just talked to him, but oh yeah, he was he was talking. Do you know who that is? I do. Yeah, and yeah. he was talking about all these different doubling instruments, and and all I could think afterwards after we got off the <laughs> the chat there um, was, how, why didn't I ask him about maintaining reeds for all these? I, it's such a huge <laughs> issue, you know, and and. Uh, you know, if you got to pick up a, an instrument that is only going to get played once all concert, and you've only got two bars to switch to it, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. You got to do it. Um, we have a we have an artist, uh, John Moses, um, who's a really good ambassador for us. He plays and he actually opened Wicked in uh, uh, broad uh, on Broadway in New York City, and um, he's still there. And he's a doubler, obviously, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he said. Just what you said. Um, you know, he picks up. He he only has a, a couple notes to play in a, a few bars, and uh, he has to pick up the instrument and put the instrument down, go back to his other instrument, and in that short amount of time, his cane reads are drying out. And this guy is the, John is one of the the most well known session artists on the East Coast, so he he finds that um, our reads are just absolutely perfect for him, and he's he's pretty picky. And when you get somebody like the likes of Ricardo uh, Morales playing our reads full time. You know, there's serious science gone into this product, and you know it's a good product. So he switched full time, eh? To the yes, east? he has. Yes, he has. Yep. He sure has. Yeah, I know. There's there's so many interesting sort of concepts that that go into this stuff. It's all science. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it it really is. And I I think when people look at our product, they just see a piece of plastic, and it could not be further from the truth. 
um, if you knew what went on behind the scenes here, the testing and so forth, and how we uh, research, uh, Guy Legere is now um, a head of research here, mm-hmm. and um, Mark uh, Korchot is our president. And the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes um, developing, researching, is uh, it's incredible. It's wow. just incredible. So you guys started out uh, with one style of clarinet reeds, and it sounds like the very yeah. first ones were kind of handmade in the garage, but then they went to sort of the, uh, I think you had the Ontario, the Quebec, a couple other yeah. cuts. And mm-hmm. then there was a signature reed, mm-hmm. um, which is now even in two different cuts. There's a signature and the brand new European signature. What makes yeah. this new line of signature reeds different from the old one? Yeah, it's kind of hard to do uh, just over audio, but I, I'll uh, I'll give it a try. So, um so classic cuts, they were the first reeds we made. They're more like a, a blue box or an orange box. They, they work. They're kind of a go-to reed for students. Um, it just works. It vibra- if you can imagine the reed just vibrating uh, vertically. Mm-hmm. So um, what we did with the signature series is like a really good cane reed, we added a spine down the center, a very almost invisible spine. What that, uh, that's from about what you would call maybe the file mark on a cane reed um, to the tip of the reed. And what that did was allow us to make the ears of the tip um, very, very thin. So if you can imagine not only a vertical vibration, but kind of a vibration across the tip. And what that does, you can, you can take, take it, everything I just said, throw it away. What it translates into and boils down to is responsiveness. Mm-hmm. So the signature read is a far more responsive read than the, the, um, the classic series. The classic series has a little thicker tip. But we don't want to uh, um, discredit the, the classic because uh, it's, it's good for people who are just starting out, um, maybe uh, up to about two years of playing. Um, and uh, then after that, we would recommend they switch to signatures. Signatures are now the best-selling reads we have all over the world. So that actually um, explains quite a bit because I, when I did get the signatures for the first time, I noticed they almost looked like they had a texture inside the read or something. Yeah. And that's now, what that is. Up to the light, yeah, sorry, Sean. Um, if you hold it up to the light, you'll, you, you can in some cases see it depending on the hardness of the reed. Interesting. Uh, but it's all, almost invisible. So the, like I said, the classic series would be like a workhorse for an entry level. And a signature would be used by someone after they've been playing maybe a couple of years. And they could actually tell the difference between a responsive reed and not. Now, I do have some artists prefer the classic because they like a thicker tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In that case, they would go to a classic, and they make that work quite uh, quite well. But for most cases, people like, they just love the responsiveness of the signature. So what makes uh, the two types of signature different then? Because there's the original sure. and the new European. Sure. Well, this, this is a really cool story. Um, so we have a Japanese customer who, um, Japan, by the way, is our largest market, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have a... We have a um, a Japanese customer there that was telling us that a lot of professionals were putting soprano saxophone reeds on the clarinets. And he had asked us to just extend the saxophone, a soprano sax reed. Um, but we decided not to do that. We decided to reinvent a new reed based on the saxophone chassis. And um, it, it's extremely unique. Uh, if you get a chance to look at this reed and compare it to the, the original signature, uh, it's completely different. It has an ex- it's it's quite a bit wider. It's like about the width of a soprano sax. That's the first thing I noticed. Actually, it's it's very yeah. it's a different shape. It is. It really is. And um, if you notice on that reed that the vamp is extremely short, mm-hmm. and it has a very pronounced spine. You can you can see that spine, and it's from that where that 
you would say the file mark would normally be right down to the tip and it's it's a high it's a very high spine and that what that does is that gives um for our listeners that gives something that's been unattained by most reads i believe uh, especially ours uh, it's been unattained we're able to get um extremely high register stability i don't know if you noticed that sean um when i was at the uh, the tmea i i had about 150 people um, through the days that I would put our our normal signature, our original signature on, which is a great read. There's zero wrong. I mean, it's a great read. And everyone to a student or a professor could get five notes above the note, the highest note they could re- attain with uh, our, our original signature. It was really something to see. Interesting. Out of those, all those people, they, they literally walked up that scale, five notes. Well, yeah, I found that the, um, I got a few, you guys sent me a couple to try here. They were actually a bit soft for me. So we're in kind of talks to try a couple harder ones just sure, to see. Sure. Um, but uh, I did find, I was like, wow, this is the, the something about that wider, uh, yeah. wider fit or something really, really worked on the mouthpiece that I have. So, but. Um, what mouthpiece do you have, if you don't mind me asking? Right now I'm, I'm between a few different mouthpieces. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the Vendoran Diamond, Black Diamond. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying a new one. It's unreleased right now from Dodario called the X25E. Cool. Which is uh, it's how actually about the been... fit on those? How about the fit on those mouthpieces? Sorry, uh, does it, it seems good. Them? Yeah, it seems to be fine. I I should try it on my M15 too. I don't know how that would fit on there. Um, but the I think that the uh, the Black Diamond seems to have a slightly wider uh, tip rail or something. So interesting. Yeah, I, I have to check the specs. I'm not really a spec geek like that but um but yeah it works really well i recently changed my philosophy i I used to like to use a very hard read on a very closed mouthpiece um Mm -hmm. but i don't know i just i got tired of working so hard just to get a sound (laughs) and uh, i also started playing a little more jazz and stuff so I've, i've since gone to a more open setup with a with a little bit softer read um and it's working for now but um I, yeah, I, I was talking to uh, a couple people, and it, it seems like the, the the thought of school or school of thought, I should say, has uh, has changed somewhat on that. It used to be the more the harder the read, the better you were. Uh, now it's more like a matching of the read to the mouthpiece. Yeah, totally. And oh, uh, it I, I makes, think makes a big difference. When when I was in school, I remember. I mean, people were trying to race up to get to like a four or even a five to kind of sort of impress their friends or whatever. And yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Before. You know, and I look There's back. Some and, of that out there. Yeah, I look back. It's so stupid. But uh, I used to joke and tell students too. You know, that you come in and they're like, "Oh, I'm on a three, And then what strength are you on? And I tell them it's a ten. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, just joking, obviously. But um, it's one of those steel reads, you know. <laughs> Gerald uh, Gerald Albright plays uh, a number ten opening uh, with a about a one and a half read. I have no idea how he can control that. Wow, it's amazing. amazing! It's unbelievable. Art. It's like using a sheet of paper. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, I don't know if you've ever heard him play, but he's he's uh, a premier premier um, artist. Well, I'll listen with fresh ears, knowing that that's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So one more thing, this isn't entirely relevant to the clarinet players, and I was debating whether or not I should ask this, but I think it still is interesting, and I hope you can give some insight into it. Um, Legere, I believe, invented the world's first double reed, and you guys now make bassoon and oboe reeds too, is that correct? Yeah, and they're symphonic quality. I say that with, like, it, you really need to try these reeds. Same with our signature series. You need to try them to believe them. Um the response is, I mean, we're just now releasing the oboe read. 
uh, and the response. We already have many artists using it in symphony. Uh, wow. Christoph Hartman uh, uses it full time now. Uh, Paul Hansen, who uh, has been working um, work with uh, Baylor Fleck and the Flecktones, uh, he's a he's a jazz uh, bassoonist, and um, he uses our reed full time, and he beats the living daylights out. He gets a year out of a reed, one year. Wow! So you can imagine the amount of music you can play, especially for a double reader, who's uh, you know who's having to work on his reeds, make reeds, scrape reeds. This isn't working. You can imagine it's double the trouble that a single reed is, and uh, we just take all that out of the equation. And and not only do we take it out of the equation, but it is, it's symphonic sound. Mm-hmm. Like it's good enough to play in the symphony. So I, I, again, your listeners, uh, if uh, if they have any doubt, they need to try them. They, the doubt will be gone. I can guarantee you that. So speaking of the, the doubt, I mean, one, one concern I have, even, even you mm-hmm. know, now as I got these to try, I, I was unsure about which strength to pick. And it seems like even within the ranges, like they're just slightly different sometimes. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think these bassoon reeds are almost $140 or something like that. Um, they are. That, that's quite a commitment. So how do you, what's your guys' policy on trying to figure out how the person can get the best reed for them? And what if it doesn't work? Well, oftentimes with, um, with regards to the bassoon and the oboe, uh, we don't have an exchange policy for that. But if, for some reason, the reed isn't playable, or uh, at any rate, the bottom line is we want our customers to be happy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on a case by case basis, we would look at things. But with the single reeds now, we're the only company in the world that actually has a reed, um, an exchange program. So, basically, what your listeners would do is go on our website and uh, go to the RMA form. Uh, they, it needs to be within 30 days, and it need, you need to have a receipt, you need to upload the receipt. And basically, then you send it back mail, and we will send you a brand new read of a different strength at no charge. Interesting. That's great. Yeah, so we're the only guys that do that, only company that does that. And the amount of goodwill that that generates is is incredible. And to be frank, we don't do that many exchanges. Yeah. Well, I think another thing, too, that people maybe should do, and I do do this, actually, is I... I'll buy several um, in kind of a gradient because, you know, some days you want a slightly harder read or slightly softer anyways. And if you normally play a three and a half, buy a three and a quarter, a three and a half and a three and a half plus and you're kind of set, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and also another thing maybe your listeners would be interested in, if they do buy three like that, they can uh, rotate them. They can get a, a much longer life even out of the reads uh, if they rest the reads just like they would a real cane read. Interesting. Yeah, I've actually done that before. With I used to have a reed case just of <laughs> just full of oh. these, and I would just kind of go through them. I think that's how I made them last so long, actually. So there's a couple listener questions here. Um, actually, I just answered the first one there. I, I read it a little out of order, if that's okay. No, um, that's fine. The second one is, what do synthetic reed fans have to look forward to next? I mean, you guys have done a great job of the single reed for saxophone and clarinet and bassoon and oboe and... and is that all the terrain you're hoping to cover, or is there more? Well, we hope to have, uh, at some point, have an, the oboe reed right now is a European scrape uh, at this particular time. Um, uh, it's what most of the world plays, but there is also an uh, a, um, American scrape that we're going to develop at some point uh, because there's a market for that. The soon reed's finished now. The oboe, the European scrape oboe is finished now. Um, we're hoping to maybe have some new sax cuts in uh, 2017. Um, it takes a while to develop things, so we want to make sure that when we send it out to the listeners, that it's perfect. 
someone also asked, um, what can I, what can they do as far as adjustments on the read, or does that void the warranty, or what's what's the situation with that? Yeah, it, it would vo it would void the warranty. Um, we do have just just so your listeners know, we do have quarter strength, so almost everybody should be able to hone in on their strength. Mm -hmm. uh, it should, shouldn't be a problem. That's a big deal, a quarter strength. No one else does that. Now, that being said, um, if you do want to work on the read, you, we don't recommend it, but you have to be extremely careful. Uh, you can fray the edges of the read very easily, and it, it's useless after that. Um, Maro from Read Geek, uh, I don't know if you know that uh, company, Read Geek. Yeah, got one of those, actually. Yeah, they have a new one. They have a new titanium coat that Morrow uh, developed in, in conjunction with our reads um, to basically allow people to work on them. And it's extremely sharp and that makes a big difference. Uh, and I've watched him work in our reads with uh, little or no damage. But again, we don't recommend that because of the, that's why we, we uh, have the quarter strengths because we really don't want people adjusting them. It will be, it will void your warranty too if you do, but um, and we'll get you, like I say, with the exchange policy, we'll get you the right strength. We'll so work it's, with long story short, it's kind of it's possible but not recommended, and it voids the yeah. warranty. Yes, it absolutely does. So, and there's not a lot of adjustments really that can be made on our reads. Like um, they come out fairly consistent, you know. And uh, especially, we pride ourselves in our reads being very flat. Um, and so, from a flatness aspect, it's very rare that you would get something that you'd need to shave the bottom on. Well, exactly, and that's what I was going to say. Is a lot of the a lot of the reasons for continuing to adjust cane reads are due to the cane warping or other issues, you know. And if you don't have that, you don't really need to maybe adjust it. Now we always tell people we just want you to play music. Go play music. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, if people are interested in learning more about your you and your products, how can they find you online? You have a website, but is there a Twitter, Facebook page, etc.? Yep, absolutely. We, you can go on our website and see the Twitter page, the Facebook page. Uh, we have a newsletter. It'd be great if uh, your listeners would subscribe to that. Um, you'll find the, the latest news uh, on the in the newsletter, and uh, we'll post it on Facebook and website and our website as it comes up as well. So um, they can contact also customer service. There's a, a info form if you want to fill it out if you have a question or you want to contact me or contact Julie, our customer service girl. Um, there's lots of ways to get a hold of us and we always, we pride ourselves in getting back to people. So it may take a couple days, uh, but we'll get back to you. So Tim, Legere has been extremely generous with today's giveaway on the podcast and, uh, five listeners are going to get a chance to win the new signature European signature read, or I think you said any cut that they would like. Would you, would you explain a little more about that? Sure. Absolutely. You can have whatever cut you like, but, uh, we would love to send you the new European if you're, uh, if you're already playing our signature or if you're not playing our signature, I'd love for your listeners to try that. So we're going to give away uh, five reads. Uh, Sean will draw and um, the listeners will be sent to me and my customer service girl, uh, Julie, and uh, we'll give you some personal service and make sure you get the right strength. You can uh, help us to choose you the right strength. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And just so listeners are aware, please remember that um, – 
it's not enough anymore to just like on the Facebook page. You have to subscribe to the email list at clarineat.com. Just go over on the right there in the sidebar, enter your email address, and that'll give you access also to the monthly Clarineat newsletter where you'll see the featured episodes for the month. You'll get a monthly exclusive discount code and some other special offers and, and information on there. So do sign up for that, and that'll give you access not only to be entered in this draw, but any other draw in future episodes. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to come on today, Tim. Is there something you wanted to add before we wrap up for this episode? Yeah, you know, I, I'd like to thank those of your listeners who are already playing our reads. Um, I'd like to thank them for, for their support. It means a lot to us. Uh, we're succeeding because you're succeeding. And I'd also uh, like to uh, invite those that haven't tried our reads to try them. Um, we, the bottom line is that we want you to be a happy customer and we want to give you a freedom to perform that you've never had before. So we'd like to uh, invite you to try them. And um, if I can be of assistance, please feel free to email me. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Tim. It was just great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was great. If you find that you're enjoying the podcast, please consider sharing it with your friends, colleagues, students, and family. If you have any feedback regarding the show, ideas for future episodes, or questions for upcoming guests, please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can do this by emailing feedback at clarineat.com. That's feedback at clarineat.com. To be eligible to win items mentioned on the show, be sure to sign up for the Clarineat newsletter. Winners will be randomly drawn each month from the list of subscribers. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.